Today's episode of The Teardown is brought to you by Game Time. All right, think about this for a second. Do you think NASCAR tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the race? Well, you can find the answer with Game Time, which is the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. You pick your deal, you see the view from where you're sitting, and you buy it in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the race. So download Game Time in the App Store or on Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. This is the post-race podcast on The Athletic. My name is Jeff Gluck, I'm along with Jordan Bianchi. If for some reason you're seeing this in your feed uh, on iTunes or a podcast service that's not on The Athletic, it's because this used to be the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. We've now transitioned it over to the post-race podcast, The Teardown. So that's what's going on with that. And we are here today to talk about the Dover playoff race that just happened. Uh, Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yourself? Can't complain. You know, uh, I could complain maybe a little bit about the the racing that we saw today. But as a <laughs> uh, in a life situation, I can't really complain. You know, uh, you know Kyle Larson um, ends up winning the race. But I I feel like Martin Truex Jr. had the fastest car. Uh, Denny Hamlin dominated the first half of the race. Martin Truex Jr. was able to get the track position. It looked like he was going to finally be able to pull out um, and and dominate the race. And, uh, you know, he his pit crew had a bad stop. He lost five spots. And when you lose five spots with this rules package at Dover, it's pretty much game over. Kyle Larson um, was able to dominate the second half of the of the race, and uh, that was pretty much the end of the story, I guess. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I mean, once that restart happened where Kyle Larson was able to take the lead, I mean, he just checked out. It was just kind of whoever was going to be in front was going to be able to kind of build up enough distance, and he was able to run away, and he built up a six-second lead on Truex and kind of got knocked down quite a bit as he was going through traffic, but nowhere near enough where Truex was ever close to him to really make anything of it. And it would have been interesting to see if there would have, what would have happened if, you know, there would have been a late caution or anything. But at the end of the day, I think this sets up really interestingly in that this gets Kyle Larson moving forward in round three automatically. And that's going to be an interesting round for him because he's got three racetracks where he's okay. He's certainly not great at, but it puts himself in a position where he may crash the party at Homestead now. And if he can do that, that really kind of flips the script of what we talked about for much of the season, which is Joe Gibbs Racing has been dominant. Kevin Harvick has certainly kind of come into his own in recent weeks. Brad Keselowski's looked pretty good. So has Joey Logano. All of a sudden, if Kyle Larson gets to Homestead with an opportunity to race for the championship, I don't know if those JGR cars or any of those guys I mentioned are the favorites anymore. Well, first of all, I appreciate you moving this forward past Dover. <laughs> there was a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this race, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to when we talk about the race per- percentage and our was a good race poll guess and stuff. But yeah, the race itself, um, not a ton to talk about. So I'm glad you shifted the conversation to what it actually means going forward, because you're right. I mean, this is the scenario that we've talked about for years now, right? Ever since we figured out, hey, Kyle Larson's pretty good at Homestead. You know, if he ever got to Homestead as a playoff driver... 
uh, maybe he could do something. But it's never even come close. He's never made the round of eight until now. So now he wins his first race in the playoffs. He wins his first race in two years. Uh, he gets Ganassi into the third round for the first time in its history. Um, and so now, like you said, he's he's suddenly a threat. Um, I don't know that he's you know sort of in a great position to make yeah. the make Homestead based on you know like he he hates Martinsville. He's not really good there. Um, you know Phoenix. He's he could he's okay there. Yeah. I don't think he's terrible at Phoenix, Texas. I mean, it's a mile and a half, so you wouldn't figure he'd be in a, you know a favorite position to win. And and you're probably going to have to win in in his position to make it to Homestead. You never know what could happen, but um, so but it's it's possible though, right? And so now so now you're right because this this would sort of set up the ultimate championship steal. I think when when it was the big three last year, then you had the big three and me with Logano, you could at least justify it and say, well, Logano got hot. He's been hot and we just didn't really notice as much. But uh, I don't think that you could make quite the same justification for Larson. Can you, unless I missed something, I mean, uh, this, this, if he was able to win the championship, it would be viewed much more as a steal than Logano. Am I wrong? You know, I think you're right. I mean, the fact he didn't win during the regular season um, and he, you know, he hasn't gone and won a race in two years. I think the case for him for this not being a steal is kind of like Logano last year, where I didn't feel like Logano stole it in some respects. And the fact that he went to Homestead and he beat the three favorites for the championship, the three guys who had dominated the regular season, he beat them straight up for it. And he did that because he won at Martinsville when he beat Truex. And then he goes to Homestead and win the race. This was a good win for Larson today. And I know passing was tough and everything, but he went out there and he won the race. He was mistake-free on a day when a lot of playoff drivers had issues. He was able to persevere and get through it. He beat Truex for the win. And if he gets to Homestead, like you said, he's probably going to have to win somewhere along the way to, to get that spot. So if he does that and then he goes to Homestead and win the race, he'll have, what, three wins probably? And that's the same number Logano had last year. And he's going to have to beat some combination of Bush, Hamlin, um, or Truex, or maybe all three. So I, I think if, if this does play out like we just kind of talked about, I think I don't think this would be a steal. I, I think this would be a well-earned championship, much in the same vein as Logano. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Well, if Truex's pit crew had not made that mistake, we may be talking about Truex and Toyota and dominating again in another Gibbs win. So just one little slip up away from a completely different narrative for this race. But uh, it is interesting to me how things over at JGR have shifted a bit, though, because um, Truex clearly was the fastest JGR car today. I'll say even though Hamlin led 218 laps, Um, you know, Hamlin started from the pole and had that track position early. But, you know, I'd say he was the second best. And I'd I'd almost even say Eric Jones might have been the third best, if not for a speeding penalty. And Kyle Busch ends up finishing sixth, but I feel like he was, you know, not, you know, maybe the fourth best JGR car. Um, now Kyle Busch is going on such a long time without having won, and um, his teammates are beating him. Uh, I, I'm i finding this increasingly odd and tough to figure out each week of what's going on at JGR and who's on top right now. Does this puzzle you at all? No, I mean, it, it just seems like there has been a shift. There has been a shift. I mean, Truex is the fastest car right now, and for a while it was Kyle Busch earlier in the season. And then during the summer there, there was a stretch where Denny Hamlin was the fastest, and he was winning races and finishing up front every week. And Eric Jones was kind of doing that as well. Yeah, it, it does seem to kind of ebb and flow a little bit, which is to be expected. 
you know, it's interesting to say, you know, Kyle Busch didn't have a lot of speed this weekend. He didn't qualify well. He had, he had an issue on pit road. He, I think it was a, a speeding penalty. He still rallied to finish six. And we're talking about Kyle Busch and having problems. He still walked away with a sixth place finish on a day where, on a weekend where his car maybe wasn't the best. That's pretty good. And if you can do that with the point, you know, the playoff points he's got and the extra cushion he has, he's going to be fine going forward. He's going to get out of this round without any issue, barring, you know, an issue at Talladega or Kansas. And then it comes down to what happens in round three. And he is so good at Martinsville, you have to expect that he's going to be in the mix there. So I'm not ready to sound the alarm bells or anything. And I obviously think that Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin are are outperforming him right now. But I still think at the end of the day, Kyle's going to be in this mix. And at some point, they're going to figure out what's going on with this team. Why aren't they clicking the way they are? Maybe we see another shift and he's he's going to have a say in who gets to Homestead and who doesn't. Well, uh, maybe he he shaved his face to look more like Alex Bowman or something because <laughs> Alex Bowman, the baby-faced assassin, finishes third today. Um, really a, a great drive from him, and, and suddenly he's sort of come alive in the playoffs like in, in, in the sense that uh, he's taken his aggressiveness to a whole new level. I mean, he's, he's really putting together some great races, and you, know, you don't know what, what would have happened with Chase um, had Chase Elliott not blown up on lap eight today. You never know what would happen. Maybe Chase would have been the best Hendrick car, but um, Alex Bowman finishing third, um, Jimmy Johnson eighth, William Byron was probably going to get a top 10, if not for a speeding penalty. He ends up 13th, a couple laps down, but uh, Alex Bowman sort of carrying the load here for Hendrick and putting himself in decent position going into Talladega. Um, So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Is he, is he a threat to actually make it to the next round? Yeah, absolutely. We wrote about this on TheAthletic.com this week. You, myself, and David Smith, our colleague, wrote a roundtable kind of forecasting round two. And you know, I touched on it, and I believe David did as well, where this round sets up really well for Bowman. He had second-place finishes at all of these tracks in round two earlier this season. So obviously you can't necessarily guarantee that you're going to replicate that, but he certainly went to Dover today and ran extremely well. He goes to Talladega. He's a, he's a very good restrictor plate driver. Um, he's got a shot to get a win there, at least a good finish. And then they go to Kansas, which has been good for the Hendrick cars this year. So, yeah, this sets up really well. You know, I don't think he has much leeway. He can't afford a bad race. I think that unless he can find another level of speed, it really it would put him in a point until he's not going to be able to overcome. But you keep knocking out these finishes. Yeah, I absolutely think he can get to round of eight, and I would be surprised if he didn't. We touched on a little bit when we mentioned Chase Elliott having problems, but man, it was such a crazy start to the race today with Logano not even getting to start the race uh, until 24 laps had gone by or whatever with the broken axle. Um, Reed Sorensen also breaks an axle early in the race, but it's at the same time as Chase Elliott blows up and everybody thought it was Logano's axle sitting on the track, but it was actually Reed Sorensen. But um, so there's two playoff drivers right there. Um, and then obviously Byron had his, his issue going, uh, with the speeding penalty under green and then ultimately Blaney with a, I think it was a broken spindle, um, some sort of suspension part, something like that, uh, ends up putting him 35th, uh, behind Logano even. So, um, four playoff guys have trouble chase Elliott last place finish. I mean, just stuff that you would not have predicted going into this. Um, but at the same time, Logano with his playoff points, just to, taking a quick look at the, at the playoff standings here, he's tied with Byron for the last spot now. So, you know, Logano 
in in a sense, he used up his mulligan, he used up his playoff points, but he's probably still going to be okay if he just goes and um, gets a couple decent finishes. Um, other guys, though, Blaney, I don't I don't feel as good about his chances anymore. You know, no, I mean not I mean not a points level. No, I mean Blaney's in a hole now with twenty two points, and yeah, you can make a case he could get stage points. And everything one, they don't have a lot of speed in that race car. They haven't had it for a while. They're definitely third on the Penske totem pole in terms of that. The only way I could feel good about Blaney is the fact that he is a very good racer at Daytona and Talladega. I know he's never won a plate race at a points race at either race at track before doesn't matter. You look at his stats, you look at the number of laps he's led, he's always in the mix. He is certainly a driver that can go there and win that race, but you have to put all of your cards on the table for that race if you're that team because you can't go into Kansas and think that because they just have not had the speed on these mile-and-a-half racetracks, especially as of late. So if you're Ryan Blaney, yeah, I'm feeling comfortable going into Talladega. Like, I can win this race, and I think we can, but that's certainly easier said than done. And Logano, man, it could have been a big day for him points-wise a hit. He came in with a 27-point lead over over ninth place, and that's gone. But it could have been a lot worse. Now he's still, you know, he's still level for that last transfer spot. And on a day when other guys had issues, Logano had his, and he, you know, still relatively good. And he's another guy who's really good at Talladega, has won multiple races there. And then they go to Kansas, another track he does well at. So. You know, this day could have been a disaster for the 22 team, especially the way it started. But at the end of the day, yeah, it was bad. It's certainly not to the level it could have been. Let's just um, go over the playoff standings real quick here, because I know some people are probably listening and they're like, I don't I didn't see him after the race or I don't even know what they are. So after one race here in the second round, obviously, Kyle Larson is through to the round of eight. You have Martin Truex Jr. He's up 63 points over the transfer spot. Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch have a 48-point cushion, so pretty decent. Kevin Harvick, 42 points, fairly comfortable as well. Then you have Brad Keselowski, plus 20. He didn't have the best day at all, but he survived. Alex Bowman, plus 17. And then William Byron Logano tied for the last spot. Clint Boyer, four points out. Chase Elliott, seven points out. And as we mentioned, Ryan Blaney, 22 points out. So obviously it's it's too early to predict things because you know, I'm not even going to try because Talladega is such a crazy race. Um, you know, it's just, it's pointless to be like, oh, well, and then I think that this is going to happen. This guy's going to get caught up in a wreck. I mean, you can't really forecast that. Once we get to past uh, Talladega, when we're talking at this time next week, we'll be able to forecast who's going to miss it a little bit easier going into, into Kansas. But for now, I can't even begin to to try to speculate, but um, Jordan, I, I do think we should talk about the racing here because it, it I felt like uh, Dover was troubling and it kind of summed up everything that, um, you know, I, I didn't think worked for this rules package at times this year. Obviously the rules packages made the racing uh, closer on intermediate tracks and the bigger tracks have looked great. Um, no disputing that, but the shorter tracks and the fast, um, one mile tracks, I think Phoenix and Dover in particular, I just, uh, man, it just, you know, unless you, if you were the leader, pretty much, I mean, you were going to be the leader today. Um, the only people that were, you know, changing positions were people that, uh, made mistakes, got penalties, got caught up by lap traffic somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't a race where you could naturally, it seemed like go up and just pass people and, and, um, get your track position back if you lost it like Truex. And I just wish, uh, you know, I know that the rules package is going to be the same going forward now for next season. They've announced that. Um, they announced that this week. But 
uh, man, I just wish they had come to figure out something where they had had some sort of interchangeable thing to yeah. not have the same package at every type of track. No, I agree. It's tough. And I will say this. I don't think Dover's a good track in general. I don't care what the aero package is. It has been a track in recent years. It's just it does often feel like a track position race or a race where you wait for other people to make mistakes and you capitalize. You know, Jimmy Johnson won there in, I think it was, I think, 2013 or 14 when there was a big pileup on the backstretch or whatever after a restart when there's a bunch of, you know, kitty litter on the racetrack. So things like that. And it's tough. It's just, it just does feel like a aerodynamic racetrack where it's all about getting track position. The tire wear isn't great. Um, you, you just see drivers just kind of hold position and that's the mentality in this race and it's tough. And I just, I, I don't care what the package is. I just look at Dover and I look at this saying, is this a racetrack that deserves two races a year? Is this, does this, does this put on the best show for NASCAR on a, a consistent basis? Does this give NASCAR a, a track where it said, this is the best of what NASCAR offers? And the answer is no, I'm sorry. And it's made it tough even more so when you see the leaders with this aero package have a hard time getting through traffic. When Kyle Larson, who has a six-second lead, has a hard time getting around slower cars, um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's not good. That's not good for NASCAR. It's not good for this in general. And you, you have to have a better product on the racetrack. And it's unfortunate that this is the way it is. Um, the only thing I can say is you hope when changes come down the pipe for the you know the big schedule, you know, changes that are going to come hopefully into 2021, that this is looked at a little bit more carefully. And, you know, there's some decision makers that decide, you know, is Dover worthy of two races? And the answer should be a hard no. This is tough for me because uh, I, I went to the University of Delaware. I have lots of friends up there. I love the people that work at the Dover track. But mm -hmm. um, you're right. In general, it hasn't put on the best racing. And, you know, it's it's hard because I think there's been some great races over the years. I mean, the, the fourth mm -hmm. best race ever in the Was It a Good Race poll was 2016 first Dover, which Matt Kenseth won. 93% of people said that was a good race. That was yeah, great really race. good. But you've also had a bunch of Dover races. Um 30%, uh, 42% earlier this year. So, I mean, just not, you know, th there's been some stinkers there. And, you know, it's it's a great area for NASCAR to be in, um, in that, that mid-Atlantic region. Uh, it is a unique track and things like that. But, yeah, it's just uh, with this current rules package, um, it's, it's tough. And um, I, I don't know what would make it better, but... It's just um, right now it doesn't seem to be working lately. And you, you kind of know what you're going to get going there, which is never never a great sign. So I don't know. But uh, let's just uh, real quick, you know, you've been kicking my butt here in recent weeks and it <laughs> was a good race poll. Uh, I'll let you pick first this week. Oh, you're going to let me pick first? Yeah, okay. well, it's, it's the least I can do. Okay, so now that you're on this winning streak and I keep letting you pick first, you're going <laughs> to let me pick first. Yeah, I'm running well, a charity here. You know, uh, like I said, the... Yeah, since I am looking at the data here so I can actually try to yeah. be somewhat aware of what's going on. Um, 42% earlier this year, that was the rained out race. Not many people saw it. Uh, it was sort of a lower number of votes. Truex won that race, so people weren't enthused by the winner. I think people are more enthused by a guy that hadn't won in for the first time in a couple of years, but at the same time, not a very good race and for all the reasons we just laid out. So that said, um, I think it might be a little bit lower just by a couple notches. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 40% say mm. yes. 
okay. I, I like that. That's kind of in the range I was thinking. I, I agree. I, I think that when you look at this, that people aren't going to be excited by what they saw. There wasn't a lot of green flag passes for the lead. At least, you know, where it wasn't through pit strategy or, any, you know, green flag you know, pit stops, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be low. And so you kind of took my number. I'll go with the fact that Kyle Larson won, snapped a two-year winless drought, popular driver. Toyota didn't win with Joe Gibbs Racing driver didn't win, which kind of helps a little bit. So you got a new winner in victory lane. I'll say give me 50%. Oh, 50. That's much higher than yeah. I anticipated. Okay. Well, I was I was going to go like 45, 42, somewhere in there. As you're reading the numbers, which was kind of it was running through my head. But this would give a little bit of separation. Okay, interesting. All right, 50% for you, 40% for me. We will see if I can snap my streak. And, uh, of course, we will be writing about this race and many other things about NASCAR going on on uh, on The Athletic, and we would very much like you to subscribe. Um, some of you who are hearing this are subscribers on The Athletic platform, but those who are listening on iTunes and other services may not be. And uh, we have a deal right now that's going on. Uh, I believe it's 40% off, Jordan, through the entire rest of the playoffs. That's theathletic.com slash green flag. Uh, if you go to that link, that will give you the secret deal. Not so secret since I just told you, but secret between <laughs> all of us. Um, well, I, and, and, I encur- and I encourage people to do that, too, because I think what you're going to find is some unique, interesting coverage and coverage you're not going to find elsewhere. Stories that we're telling that, uh, frankly, I think we tell as good or if not better than anyone else on a deeper, yeah, more in-depth level. Well, uh, our assignment here at The Athletic is to um, not do the stories that other people are doing because that's what people can get for free. So what's the point, right? So we are trying to give people the stories that uh, – you know, would be special and take some extra effort. And of course the athletic, uh, hired us and invested in racing coverage when, um, pretty much all the other outlets, most other outlets who aren't partners with NASCAR, um, sports outlets are, are bailing right now or, or cutting coverage. The athletic decided to add three writers and an editor and all the stuff just about racing. So if you want to help support our coverage, they're definitely paying attention to the numbers and we'd appreciate your support um, to keep us out there and keep us covering it. So, uh, again, theathletic.com slash green flag is how you get the 40% off deal. Uh, Jordan, any final thoughts on today's race at Dover or anything else going on going forward right now? I'm excited for Talladega. I, I like this race. To me, this is one of the my favorite races of the year just because of the unknown factor. And I think what we saw today with Elliot Logano Blaney adds to it. And I'm very curious in how Joe Gibbs Racing approaches Talladega. If you look at the standings, Hamlin, Truex, and Kyle Busch are very well positioned. Two, three, four in the standings. They really just have to get through Talladega, and they're going to move on to the next round. How aggressive are they at Talladega? We saw this in 2016 with this team, where they went to Talladega in basically defense mode, and they ran in the back throughout the whole day. Denny Hamlin was the only Joe Gibbs Racing driver who ran at the front and had to do so because otherwise he was going to be eliminated. The other drivers, Carl Edwards, Bush, and Matt Kenseth, all ran in the back. I'm curious if you're going to see something similar to that next week because there's no need for those guys to take any chances. They just have to get out of there with their cars intact and you know finish top 20 or so, and they're going to be in good spots. So I'm very curious to see how that unfolds. Good analysis. I like that. Well, I'll be watching as well, and I know you'll be there, so we will uh, be connecting. You'll probably be 
out at somebody's camping spot or something trying to get good cell phone service <laughs> when we uh when we talk next week there uh so that'll be that'll be exciting though but um thank you so much to everybody for listening and we will talk to you next time on the teardown